Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality. I'm talking about the great I am that I am, the one true eternal God who is the ultimate manifestation and perfection of love. I'm writing a book that is almost finished, very close to being done, it is on the evidence of life after death. I'm not going to give away the title yet. But it's on the afterlife. It's very thorough and in-depth and highly researched. And I want to tell you that God, the very source of reality, the I am that I am, is love. It is this ultimate manifestation of love. This is what they all describe that have actually experienced entering paradise, entering heaven. Everything is emanating from love. The love is causing the light. There's no shade. It's causing all of creation to be filled with life and energy and love from that love and intelligence and wisdom, even the plants sing and communicate. Everything is alive and able to communicate. Even furniture can communicate in heaven. It is amazing. I won't go into it. This is from the accounts of people that have been highly verified to have been dead for some time. Some 90 minutes, some almost two hours, and others three days. Well, I am here to share the good news for all those that are hungry and thirsty to find ultimate meaning and destiny in their lives. And this message is in particular to those that have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, of God through Jesus Christ. It says in John 17, for this is life eternal that they might know you, the only true God, And Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent, I believe also is in that verse. Hallelujah. What I do is I seek to speak God's word as the oracles of God, because it commands us in 1 Peter 4.11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. This is referring to genuine Christians that come together when they come together, it's as it says in another scripture, one has a psalm, one has a prophecy, one has a word of exhortation, and so on and so forth. When we come together, we are not just to share with one another, but out of a heart set and a mindset of worship to allow the Spirit of God to flow in utterances that are beyond ourselves. How does that happen? Well, it's explained in Revelations 19.10. We read, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God out of a pure heart of love, in humility and in great reverence, we are filled with his spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves that results in creative utterances that come forth from the Spirit of God. And so I will seek to speak this message out of a heart set and a mindset of worship. 
that would flow out of me the words that are beyond myself. And one of the things I do to facilitate that is I cast lots to get any possible chapter in the Bible with two independent applications in order to get two. And then, almost always, these two chapters have the same common theme that bears witness with each other as to the message I am to preach. I spend only a half an hour meditating on those two chapters then immediately after I preach, which is the case today. I will say that today it's very hard to see even now how there is a common theme between these two chapters. There is one very broad theme, though, and so maybe that's the way God wants it sometimes. Sometimes I wonder if it's because, you know, I'm so busy now trying to finish my book that I'm not getting my full time in prayer, and so I'm lacking in that. Um, and so I've been praying, Lord, that I would always love God more each day than the day before, and earnestly praying that every day. But, you know, I usually go to bed praying and I got so tired I even forgot to set the alarm, <laughs> although I still got up at a good time. Well, these things happen, but we learn through our mistakes. And so I'm going to share with you from what I received today by the casting of Lot from two chapters from the Word of God. But I also, also cast Lot's to get a particular song out of a hymn book of 1,080 hymns by Lifestream Ministry. Um, and that's songs from throughout church history, worship hymns from throughout church history, but also from the underground church in China that was with the work of Watchman Nee back, he, he was martyred back in 1972, but they created many beautiful songs. And the songs that are up there are very exceptional, as you will discover with very beautiful instruments, violin, flute, harp, so on and so forth. So I want to share with you the song that we received today, and then after that, we will speak from the Word of God. So here is the song today that was by the casting of Lot. In a few seconds here. Thank you. 
wonderful, wonderful song about our heart being so close to the Lord. God wants our heart. And it is significant that I got that song because in what I got by the casting of Lot, there's a verse in Psalm 57, 7, that says, My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up my glory. Awake, psaltery and heart. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Yahweh. Among the people, I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let thy glory be above all the earth. Here's someone who's really made the treasure of their heart the Creator, Yahweh, their Redeemer. And his heart is fixed. It is set. And in the context of the psalm, he is talking about his enemies. In fact, he describes how terrible and oppressive his enemies are. And then he mentions this verse we just read. And then he again describes the enemies. And then he mentions more on the praises of God. Maybe I can possibly even turn to that particular passage right now to just give you a little bit more of the background of that psalm, of these verses. It says to the chief musician, Altashith, Nictam of David, when he fled from Saul in the cave, be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I Make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. This is a relationship of God's presence overshadowing him. As a chicken overshadows its little chicks, as an eagle overshadows its little ones in the nest. The presence of God. Here around him, there is great calamities. And so you can picture the eagle protecting its chicks and around are birds flying that want to destroy them and eat them. But God's presence is there and we can trust in him until those calamities are overpassed in our lives. I will cry unto God most high. That word God in the original is Elohim, which literally means the Almighty's one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is what it is referring to. I will cry unto Elohim, the Almighty's one, most high, unto the Almighty's one that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up, Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and truth. And this is another thing that is really seen in this psalm, is the mercy and the truth of God. And this is very significant. I remember yesterday when I was writing my book, I 
turn to Micah 6 to find out something about a verse there that says even if you gave your firstborn child, it wouldn't be sufficient to satisfy God. Or to satisfy, basically, it's in essence saying, well, you you can give all the burnt offerings you want, and even if it involves the first fruit of your, of your womb, um, that doesn't mean anything to me. And then it goes on to say, he has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee? But to love mercy. This word mercy is only found in God. Who is the source of mercy? It is God. And really, when you're saying that, you're acknowledging the love of God in, his, in, God, in its integrity that is so pure that it is a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to love. It is, look, it is a perception of the holiness of God, which is the integrity of this God's love that will not contone what is contrary to love, love being that quality that always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice. Because any lesser choice as such would have a measure of corruption. And love is the very opposite of corruption. It ensures that there will be goodness because it judges what is contrary to love, what is corrupt, what destroys goodness. And so when we perceive the mercy of God, we are perceiving the holiness of God, which is the integrity of God's love. And in the genuine fear of God, there is a turning in the heart that is a turning to this right perception of God. First, in its integrity of love. And from that springs the perception of God's mercy that he is so great in his love that he has the power to forgive without violating the integrity of his love. And that implies that only God could be ultimately a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice. They knew that animals were not the source of forgiveness in the Old Testament. In fact, in Hebrews it says that they only could suffice to the cleansing of the flesh, which would allow then the Spirit of God to be able to dwell close to their soul and spirit before Christ came. And after Christ came, because the soul and spirit was cleansed and could be cleansed through his atoning work, then there was the indwelling rather than the dwelling. For it says, he dwelleth with you, you know him because he dwells with you, and he shall be in you, referring to after Christ died on the cross and rose again. And so they were born again in the Old Testament because of the dwelling of the Spirit of God with their soul and spirit that opened their soul and spirit up to a state of selfless trust that was held in that trust by the dwelling of the Spirit of God with their soul and spirit. Like an open hand that was once a fist, surrendering to the mercy of God, crying out and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then another open hand comes against that, forming the hands of prayer, and those two hands cannot 
close because now there is the new divine nature. And so it was from the very beginning of time, from the time of Adam and Eve, that they were born again of the Spirit. Even Enoch had such a close relationship with God. He was translated. And I'm not here to get into all of this or emphasize this particular truth too much, except to say that the emphasis in the Old Testament when it talks about prophesying about the future of Israel, that he will give them a heart of flesh, is referring to them as a nation. But there were always those that were a remnant, that were born again, that had that heart of flesh in the Old Testament. Or they wouldn't have had a close relationship with God, such as Enoch that was translated in Elijah and so on. I'll leave it at that for now on that, because the emphasis here is the heart. In the midst of situations of great trial, we can know the presence of God. If we're walking with God, our heart will be fixed on him continually, not just in our time of prayer. But I will say that as you spend much time seeking God in prayer, it brings you into that place with God where your heart is always there fixed on him continually. You enter into it by seeking the Lord. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Why? Because when you seek God, you enter into a place where you're beginning to have his presence with you continually, and that presence imbues into your being the fruits of the spirit of love and of the joy that comes out of that love relationship with God. Christ often said, if you keep my commandments and you do these things, your joy may be full. Now, we consider this psalm, which emphasizes again and again in the midst of, for example, in verse 4, it says, My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire, the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. And then again, he goes back into praise. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. Then he says again, they have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. It's not that he isn't experiencing this trial and experiencing heaviness. They have digged a pit before me and into the midst whereof they are fallen. <laughs> oh, yes. How often the unrighteous dig pits for the, for the righteous and end up falling into their own pit. We see this in the things that are happening in the United States, in the attempts to subdue the righteous that are behind Donald Trump. And so what happens? I'm not saying Donald Trump is some righteous person, but God has raised him up as a Cyrus. And he represents the righteous. And every time they've been digging a pit for him, they end up falling into it all the more themselves. And this has been happening with Russiagate and now with Mar-a-Lago and so on. God is calling us to be those that in these days, wake up. It says, awake up my glory, awake psaltery in heart. I myself will awake early. Yes, when we really love God, we are delightful to seek him immediately first thing in everything in our lives even in the morning i will praise thee o lord among the people i will sing unto thee among the nations and it emphasizes the mercy of god 
King David delighted in the holiness of God or the integrity of his love, which manifests the mercy of God. So he says, for thy mercy is great unto the heavens and thy truth unto the clouds. And I could go into a long message about what truth is. It does say in the New Testament, one verse, that God is the truth. And in 1 John, or I should say 2 John and 3 John, it emphasizes the truth and how Paul said to them, I have no greater joy than that my children walk in truth. And what is truth? In the dictionary, it's defined as that which is real in reality. And reality is that which is unshakable, indestructible, immovable. It is reality. And the name for Yahweh is the name that in essence is saying the ultimate reality and is described as the I am that I am. The truth is actually love because love is the only quality that is an ultimate trustworthiness that is worthy and able to contain unlimited authority, power, and life without being corrupted by it or using it in a corrupt way and is thus indicative of being the very source of who God could only be, the Almighty's. Yes, the truth is like a glass, a diamond glass that has no flaw in it, that can contain life without that life being dissipated. But God says of Israel that they have hewn out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. This is the deception of the heart. And as we look into these other chapters here, that is what we see. And so now we will look at Jeremiah chapter 19 and some of the verses there. This is a pronouncement of God sending judgment upon Israel. And in this chapter, the Lord told Jeremiah to take a potter's vessel and to break it in their sight because he was going to break them and smash them to pieces. His wrath was great against the nation of Israel. And when you see where their hearts have ended up, yes, his wrath is a righteous wrath. It is love and its purity that will not tolerate what is contrary to it. And so we read in Jeremiah 19, 5 and 6, They have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal, which I commanded not, nor spake it, neither came it into my mind. Why does he say, of course God would not command them to do that. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that this place shall no more be called Tophet, nor the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. Now there's a verse before that in Jeremiah 19 that I want to show you if I can get there. Um, I don't know. We'll just see if I can get there or not here. There we go. Jeremiah 19. And I want to get to um, the verse just before that too. Um, in Jeremiah 19. And here we see this. It says in verse 5 there, which I didn't seem to read, I guess I didn't copy verse 5. Or did they? Did I? 
if I didn't read it, I'm going to read it again because it is here after all. They have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings onto Baal. Can you imagine that? Burning your own children to a demonic god. It's almost equivalent to the abortions that are happening nowadays where you have laws passed like have been passed in California where they're allowed to even kill a child after it's born if the mother doesn't want it. This is so evil. It shows what can happen. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? What is the answer? The answer is to repent. It is to turn to God. It is to break our hearts before God. And Jeremiah was trying to wake up the people of this nation that had got to such a place of depravity where they are offering their own children in the fire to the devil. Now, as I continued to pray, and so I do see what the theme is that God is bringing out as I preach, and it is the heart. It is where is our heart? Is it fixed on God? It is the heart in relation to it being in a deep union with God by the fear of God, the genuine fear of God that does not perceive the holiness of God or the integrity of his love is something that is to be shrinked away from and withdrawn from. You know, when we see the severity of the consequences of sin, around us and the things that happened into our own life that may even seem so unjust. It is easy to be focused on those things and to say, why does God allow all this? And to become unthankful in our heart and to begin to perceive God in an idolatrous monotheistic perception like Cain did. That's what happened to Cain. He began to perceive God as this one that must be appeased because he's all powerful, like a tyrant. He will require offerings and then he will be pleased with me if I bring all these offerings to him. Remember what I said about Micah 6? God, show, he has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require thee? To love mercy, to love God in his mercy, in his holiness. Worship God in the beauty that comes out of holiness. We are not to perceive the severity of God's judgment that comes out of the integrity of his love as bad and evil and get our focus on that, but to see it as good because it ensures that there is a destiny where there is no corruption, where we are going, a place that is heaven, that will eventually conquer this world and invade this world, and Christ will set up his kingdom upon the earth. God is calling us in this hour to be those that do not allow our hearts to be deceived into anything less than a first love relationship with him. Now, as I continue to cast lots, as at the moment I didn't, I went and got a third chapter, which amplified what, God would say. Because in the third chapter, which is Ezekiel 26, it says, Said a man, because that Tyrus hath said against Jerusalem, Ah, she is broken 
that was the gates of the people. She is turned unto me. I shall be replenished. So Tyrus was rejoicing at the destruction of Jerusalem, which Jeremiah prophesied would happen. But God's anger was very great against Tyrus, to the point that it says in this verse, maybe I should read it. I'm, for time, I tempt to not to, but I will. So she says, I shall be replenished. Now she is laid waste. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God. See, Jerusalem is laid waste. Behold, I'm against thee, O Tyrus, and will cause many nations to come up against thee as the sea causeth his waves to come up. And they shall destroy the walls of Tyrus and break down her towers. And I will also scrape her dust from her and make her like the top of a rock. It shall be a place for the spreading of nets in the midst of the sea. For I have spoken it, saith the Lord God, and it shall become a spoil to the nations. And to this very day, you will find that if you go where Tyrus was, it's a place for the spreading of nets and it's bare stone where they spread their nets. It's true. God prophesied that and it came to pass through his prophet, Ezekiel in this case. God is calling the church today to be those whose hearts are not stone, are not hardened, so that the seed that God has brought forth to them springs up and withers. It says, big amen, and loves all the good preaching and all of that, but it springs up and withers because it has no root. No, he wants us to have hearts where the fallow ground is broken up and made soft. And that comes by the deep turning of the heart out of the genuine fear of God as we choose to put him first and make him the supreme priority in our lives. Break up your fallow ground. It is time to seek the Lord until he come and rain righteousness on you, brothers and sisters. And he is calling for the body of Christ right now to wake up. We are in a time of serious crisis. There's war going on in Ukraine and Russia. There's been a mass genocide of people that have taken these vaccinations. It was deliberate. And now there's millions of people that have died around the world. It's the greatest mass gen genocide in the history of the world. And people don't even know about it because they're watching fake news and believe all the lies. But it's coming out. Go to my site at ultimatemeaning.com or loverealize.com. I have links to all the best news sources there so that you can be an excellent watchman over your nation with prayer and to stand with the righteous that are standing against the corruption that has taken over the world and caused these things to happen. We are living in a time when the church needs to wake up. How can you go back to being the church the way it was? and just continue to have church the way it always was. This is the time for the restitution of all things in the body of Christ. As it says in Acts 4.12, whom the heavens must receive until the restitution of all things, the restoration of all things. It is time for more than what was in the early church to be restored. 
the streams of riches from each denominative shell must break out and come together into a rich stream, and that rich stream will then flow when God breaks out and reveals himself in the Messiah to Israel. And those two streams will flow together, says the Lord. That is going to happen. It is beginning even now. And God is calling his people to come together and to fast and pray maybe for three days and cry out to him mightily. If you can go on an Esther fast, even do that. But let us mean business with God. It's worth it all, far more than worth it all. And as a church, I've written a book called God, Headship, and Body Invasion on everything that you can, suggestions of what you can do in your church so that you do not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. We want the glory of God to come down in fullness in this hour. We want his house to return to being that house of prayer and holiness. It happened in the Welsh revival, except there wasn't the proper skin to contain the glory. Division entered, but in this hour, God is fulfilling John 17, where we will learn to let Christ be the center of everything, to let him be the governor in our midst in gathering. Well, that is the message for today. Go ahead and get my book called Godhead, Ship, and Body Invasion on Amazon. It would help support me. I'm in a very, very difficult financial situation right now, but should be able to solve it in the next while through things that will happen. But I would appreciate your support with prayer and, and other means, which can be done on my site at loverealize.com. I'm not a nonprofit organization. Maybe I will be one have something like that in the future, but right now I'm not that. But I am doing ministry. So thank you for your support. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this message.